welcome to the fuck you. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Buenos dias, hola, chiquitas. Kia ora. Bola, banaka. Maluilele. Hi. Damn, we were going to go places. You could have started even like, konnichiwa, we could have gone. Oh, oh yeah, it's all right. You just jokes that for us. Right. Welcome to our third <laughs> show. You made it. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> we made it too. <laughs> we showed up today. <laughs> Girl, that's why I like you because you just have <laughs> you just go there. We got a high bounce out too. For real, for real. Yeah. Hard. So I guess we talked about our adolescence mm-hmm. and then our, our like youth. Baby, you call baby, it? childhood, zero to whatever. Mm. And now we're talking about after high school. Ooh. That's a journey and a half. Yes. <laughs> I feel like that's the most important journey if I... Yeah, for me, it's like, I'm talking for myself, that was where I did the most growing mm. in like the four years after high school. And the most failure, if, I, if, if I'm just going to add value, like I'm like, mm-hmm. that's when I failed the most. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I think I loved that I embraced a spirit of like, non-shame. Like I just wasn't mm. ashamed to fail. Yeah. Because I knew I was having fun. <laughs> yeah. Like, most of the time, anyway. And also, like, minimal responsibilities. I oh, mean, on my part, anyway. Yes. I can't speak for you. Nah, for real. I, I think for me as well, I was really pl- privileged that I didn't have the attachments of, like, a father figure to, like, mm. you know, hold and own my story for a while. What do you mean by that? I just feel like a lot of other fathers in the Pacific um, drive a narrative of, like, Homosexuality uh, is not a thing. Yeah. And mm. I'm not saying all fathers. So if you're listening and you're a father and you support the the, the movement, congratulations, <laughs> I'm not talking about you. The movement. The gay agenda. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> our, our, rainbow pi- our rainbow Bible. <laughs> or our rainbow book club. Mm. No. no yeah, I got that loud and clear. All right, so where are we going to today? I mean, where do you want to start? Do you want to start or should I start? I feel like you should start because we got the comment right. that, you know, I was talking too much, so. <laughs> Not from Kid. It's like, I know, like is, 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 are yeah. you even talking? Like, yeah, no, apparently I don't talk at all. Uh, that's not true. It's just the part that he heard. Yeah. Um. So I met my first partner. So I left, left high school mm. Um. after year 13. I just got my university entrance. Um. By handing in the last assignment that gave me the last credits on the last day that the teachers could put the results. <laughs> <laughs> so, just like real close to the mark there. Um, and Classy. Yeah. It was really uh, good for me. No anxiety at all. Um, but honestly, I didn't even care at that stage. I left school and didn't really know what I wanted to do for the whole summer. And then I was like, oh, photography was cool at school. Maybe I'll just go do some art program. Because my parents had this thing of you've either got to find a job or you've got to study, which I didn't really appreciate at the time, but definitely appreciate now. Um, And there was no, like it was just not an option to not do anything, which is fine. Um, But I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I had a part-time job that I'd had through school, through high school. Uh, But... I mean, it was fine. I didn't really love it, but it was a job. And it was, like, in a surf shop. 
It was cool. Got to talk to people a lot throughout the day, which was nice. I throughout high school I had a job in a surf shop, mm. a local surf shop, which was cool, and it was fine. But it like wasn't what I wanted to do with my life. Mm. And in school, I really enjoyed my art programs and like media studies and all that kind of stuff. So, quick plug: if you know the origin of why she's loves art, you're gonna probably get a little bit of a. Well, tell us, tell us in the comments below. <laughs> where's the origin <laughs> of her creative arts? It, it was mm. in the last two episodes. It was, um, and I would enjoyed photography at school, and I wanted. I thought that maybe that would be something that I could do, mm. or at least do for the next little while <laughs> program so that I didn't have to get a full-time job. Um, so I applied for a program at a local um, tertiary provider two weeks before the program started, which now that I work in tertiary education, I can see the frustration on the team that has to... Oh, full circle, 100. <laughs> that has to deal with that. Um, but because my university entrance was not in like uh, like academic subjects um go there <laughs> the academy coming through again <laughs> uh, <laughs> um i had to come through for an interview even though i had university entrance and one of my level three programs was art program and i'd done art in level one two and three um so the last three years of high school i still had to come for an interview and i did the interview and luckily my mum came with me because I like little cheated, little cheated. I looked over at their interview papers and I saw that they'd marked my academic level out of 10. Do you want to guess what it was? Oh my gosh. Wait, look at me. I'm getting six. Mm-mm. It was lower. <laughs> <laughs> so they determined that my academic level was a four out of 10. Oh, to- wait, actually, it totally makes sense now, actually. <laughs> Rude. What a bitch. Um, what? Yeah, so this tertiary provider had determined that even though I had university entrance and I was going into art program and I had media studies at year 12 and like sports science, which obviously isn't related, but it's a science at year 12. Mm-hmm. And I'd had um, performance and I had done an art program at year 13 that I still, my academic level still wasn't high enough. So I had to do this, like, they gave me a a conditional acceptance into the program, Mm -hmm. a bachelor program, on the condition that I did this, like, one-week studying preparation thing through the student learning services, which at the time I was like, oh, yeah, I'll do anything to get in because I don't (gasps) want to work. So I did that. Low-key plugging in as well. I did that as well, but we'll carry on with yours. Mm -hmm. So I did that program. Mm -hmm. It was one week. It was no marks. It was just like attendance and you just learn some basic tertiary skills like how to show up. (laughs) How to write an essay. Structure. What is time management? Mm -hmm. How is tertiary different from high school? So it was fine and I did it. Um, Wasn't the best time of my life. But that um, one year program, one year, one week program was where I met my first partner. (laughs) <laughs> and then we moved together for the next four years. Mm. Yeah. So my first same-sex partner. Um, which I'm kind of grateful now that I had to do that because otherwise I wouldn't have met them. Mm. Um, but yeah, and then I did that and then moved into 
my program and did that for a three-year undergrad and then <laughs> stayed and did it on this program because I still didn't want to get a full-time job <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly that's why I did it um and then that on this program is where I met you Joseph wow I can Part see of that project connect- connections here I can mm. see it and that honours program was done back in 2016, I believe. Um, so that's how long I've done you, like four years now. Oh, four-year anniversary coming through. No. <laughs> <laughs> when it's five, we definitely family, though. Like, oh, yeah. Because of, I feel like we're already out. Right, uh, like 100. Yeah. So that's kind of like a very brief overview of my life. <laughs> four years after high school yeah that's my life what did you do after school i decided to take a gap year mm. see i want i was considering that i was like i'll just like not do anything after school but i knew that if i didn't go straight into study i would never go oh uh, yeah so that like that for Carl is the whole mm. reason why i stopped my gap here halfway and and went into studies mm. because I was kind of getting into a phase where I was just working full time. It wasn't a, a massive, amazing job. Like I was mm. I was working um, as a dishwasher in a restaurant. Mm. So like to me and, and kitchen hand kind of thing. So I did that and I was partying every weekend. Like I was mm. basically only living to party, which really kind of like it, it had its own benefits because most of my connections that I have now. Mm-hmm. In terms of human um like relationships, is through that 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 period of time, not just that, that specific six months, but when I decided to jump into studies, I actually came across the same um um academic problems, mm-hmm. as they call it, because I don't think I I, I passed in C level one, two, and three, but I didn't get the right subjects mm-hmm. to pass. So like mm-hmm. I think I just hit numeracy literacy, but I wasn't. I think I got my university entrance in um year 12 but i just didn't want to jump out Mm -hmm. of studies Mm -hmm. at year 12 so i wanted to start year 13 was basically like a non-academic year for me Mm -hmm. i think it is more so now for a lot of students Mm. like i was talking to my auntie last night and my cousin is in year 11 and she's doing all like three year 12 sciences so i'm like she could maybe get ue next year and then just leave school at 16 with university entrance that's and that's that's like to me. I think if you have the opportunity to do it and you want to do it, go mm. ahead. But like, like I'm I'm actually pretty thankful that I took my route, um, mm. only because I felt like right after you um right after high school, I jumped straight into just investing in myself, mm-hmm. and I, that was the first time I ever stayed away from family and away mm-hmm. from home. Um, I had to like that's when I really appreciated my family's love mm-hmm. as well because it was kind of like. <laughs> They paid for the bills. They paid for everything. Yeah. And I was like, oh, snap, this is a thing. <laughs> like, mm. rent, this is a thing. Like, Yeah. And then what do I do with my spare time? So I feel like that's when I really started to um, gain some independence because mm-hmm. I had absolute freedom to do whatever that if I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, halfway through that year, I realized that I was wasting my time and not doing anything. So when I jumped into um, studies, I had to... So I wanted to get into the bachelor, but I couldn't get into the bachelor because my... Um, um, my grades weren't in the right academic space. <laughs> um, so they they gave me a conditional acceptance mm. to the diploma. Mm-hmm. And that condition is that based, it's like, it's based on if I get 
good marks and mm-hmm. pass all of my semester one programs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your boy got A pluses in all four yeah, programs. And to make it even funnier was that like as soon as I got in, I slacked off. <laughs> so I got A's and B's in second semester. And oh, guys, I'm letting you know if you're going to take the academic route, year two is not for you to relax. Like, no way. Year two is a level up and year three is another level up. Like, yeah. I think I, 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 I sat and relaxed on my laurels, as they say, yeah. in year two. And I literally scraped. I think I scraped year two and I failed two modules. Did you? Mm. Mm-hmm. No one knows that. <laughs> well, everyone does now. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think in a, in a real short space, I guess that's my academic um, life, but everything that was happening outside of my <laughs> academic life, struggles, um, mm. miscommunication between humans, friends, yep. family, everything like that, all of those things push, pushed boundaries for me. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I could imagine the same for you. Yeah. I um, can relate to your... Like, second year was a bit of a challenge for me. And I think it was because it wasn't the first year, so it wasn't all, like, new and exciting. Mm. And it wasn't the third year where you're almost finishing um, it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I found second year quite a challenge. Yeah. Um. And what was kind of happening in your in your life outside of study around that I time? was being a... Uh, y'all know what it is, okay? Like, your boy was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> your boy was experimenting like your boy um your boy had numbers rolling (laughs) um but at the same time i think i was frustrated with with Mm. the scene in in my current city because the scene is by the scene the scene the the homosexual gay male scene because it was (laughs) (laughs) whatever the scene was it was like you had people offline that didn't that cared but didn't want to involve everybody in the mm. caring, mm. and then when you and then you had people online mm. that was like perpetuating stereotypical norms for us. So it was like for me as someone who self-proclaimed like someone who understands themselves and mm. and who who cares, mm-hmm. it was disheartening to go into a community where embracing diversity was like the main forefront, and then receiving sexual innuendos everywhere to a point where it was like, mm. like I realised that I was joking, but mm-hmm. I didn't think that the whole community was serious. Yeah. Well, the people that I interacted with, not the whole community, I should say yeah. that. Yeah. The people that I interacted with were actually serious about the the innuendos. And, and mm-hmm. then I guess now as an adult, I can look back in hindsight and be like, oh, it was just people's different conditioning. Yeah. But at that time, mm-hmm. it felt so bad. Like I felt like, I felt like I wasn't being embraced, or I felt like I wasn't belonging because I was so used to belonging. And I guess yeah. that yeah, that was my little upbreak. But what about you? What was happening on the outside, outside so of violent. academy? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, um, I have a question for you though. Like you're you're saying that there's this reputation within the queer community to be accepting of diversity, but do you think? that there is one kind of gay male stereotype that people feel like they have to fit into to be part of the community? Yeah. Well, not anymore. I think the more that you... It's, it's kind of like that conversation that we just had mm. with Horo. The more you come into, like, understanding and fully embracing self and, mm-hmm. and all its ugliness and beauty mm. is the more you start to realise that actually a lot of people are just human and, like, yeah. they're just failing through it as well. 
Yeah, but for sure. me, I think because I was so ignorant of that type of perspective, I just relied on people mm-hmm. to fill in my need for belonging. Yeah. And that's that's the part that was disheartening was that I guess my naivety and pure pureness, if if that was ever a thing for me. <laughs> that was that was rudely awakened and like the veil yeah. for that like uplifted so much because it was just like mm. If you know my physicalities, you'd know that I look like an alpha male. Mm. That that's like, and that's what I was. Yeah. And that's what I always will be because of that one-sided story of me. Mm-hmm. And do do were you wanting that acceptance of community within specifically the queer community or community your communities as a whole? Because mm, I think go go we, there go there. We involve ourselves, I know for myself, I'm speaking for myself, we, I involve myself in different communities, not just the one queer community. Mm. So I, um, yeah, you just like pick and choose. Like I, I find community in my family. I find community in my um, friends that I play softball with and perpetuate that lesbian stereotype. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, but not really because lesbian is not my word. Mm. But whatever. Um, like, do you think that you were looking for that queer community, or were you thinking that you were just needing belonging as a person as a whole, and were looking for it in that space? Mm. I think it, like it's a combination of both. But the real, the, like the bigger issue is that um, that's the whole reason why. Um, representation matters because mm. there was nothing being represented, and there was nothing that was. Like, it's almost like I had to create my own persona of who mm. I was of out of necessity and not because there was a support system that helped me guide and navigate that. Because mm-hmm. it's like, I guess, from my perspective, I was looking for anywhere that would just embrace diversity of thought. So I guess, in a way, I looked in my community first and my community was saying that I was this, this and this. And I'm like, I don't associate with those. Mm. So what community was that? Your my, so the, the the gay male mm. community. Yeah. And then when I looked for communities, it was like, I uh, like I'm not even, like I'm not even ashamed to say this. It was very whitewashed. Mm-hmm. And like it got to a point where I'm like, Gosh. I don't know how these people can relate when they're so, mm. like like our experiences are so different. Yeah. And. It wasn't because of them. I think it was 100 because of me because I didn't understand how to fit that holistic love that they spoke mm-hmm. of into my reality. Yeah. The way it's way. structured, even like LGBTQIA plus is a very Western white mm. perspective of the community. So trying to fit into that as a Pacifica person, I can only imagine what that must have trying to be like when it's already structured as a white system. Mm. You know, and like... And I only just real opened my eyes and realized that in the last couple of weeks. <gasps> oh my, my god! Studies. So how was that for you then? <laughs> it was great. But like, like what Whoa. did you feel? I was like, oh yeah, well that served me, so I didn't really have to look much past it. Mm. And now I'm like, oh okay, cool. Yeah, need to look outside of my white privilege. <laughs> well, honestly, I think that you are even willing to well. The fact that you're willing to even go there mm. is already showing that, you know, you're willing to question the, your own approaches or your own um, privileges that you didn't know you had. You know mm. what I mean? Like, And I guess to me, I've never, ever felt any way, shape or form that you would flaunt them in front of me because mm. there is that, I guess, wait, what do they say? Ignor- like there's such a thing as ignorance when they genuinely are ignorant. But if there's, mm. if you're ignorant you're and complicit. you... Complicit. Mm. Mm. 
but it's it's I don't know it's it's a complexity, but we won't go into that. I think to me that it was so like through that time period, mm-hmm. it was so hard to understand what it was I wanted. Yeah, and because other people already knew what they wanted. I like molded myself to what people wanted of me and what people saw in me. And some people would speak some highly great things of me. And I, I think mm-hmm. I just want to make a shout out to anyone who like spoke highly of me mm-hmm. um, in, in that space because they, they saw something that I couldn't even see myself. Yeah. And I was like, I like, I, I like one of my relationships that I, that I jumped into, I wanted everything. And I got in this, this one person. Yeah. And that person was way too fast. Like it was like it was the one thing that I that I didn't expect was that I was gonna get everything at a certain time at at once. Mm. And that scared me because the person that he described who I was, I literally was like, I don't know who that is. But how can he describe it if that's not what you're putting out? That's what I'm saying is that he saw in me mm. what I didn't see in myself. Yeah, it's hard. Eh? Yeah, and that and like it was because he was already uh, like ahead of me, and he was like, well, not ahead, but like his journey of self discovery. He already realized yeah. that there was a lot of things that, even for me, I didn't know I had potential in, mm-hmm. and I guess that's that's why we're all lost, bull. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just letting you know we are yeah. lost. Yeah, we're just trying. Mm. Just go. But yes, anything else on your side? Um, I. My association with labels has evolved over... Yeah, let's talk about that. Um, yeah, over the last... How many years? Seven years. <laughs> wow. Um, you old now? Uh, yeah, almost eight years. <laughs> In a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, so when I, when I was 18 and I jumped into that first same-sex relationship, like, like I said last episode, I always kind of knew that I was into feminine people um and was like oh come out this year oh come out this year never happened met this person and just kind of like jumped straight into a relationship without really calling it a relationship Mm, go there (laughs) at least for like the first man that denial period was real right i was like no they're just my friend (laughs) whatever Everyone knew what we knew. You lying. I, everyone knew before I knew. Yeah. Even though I was, like, hanging out with this person every day. And, yeah, like, that first experience was of being, feeling like I could be open with someone completely myself wow. was, like, an, such a healing experience for me. Mm-hmm. Going from the self-repression of, no, I'm not. No, I don't want to come out. No, I don't want to like do this. Or no, I don't want to, you know, whatever. Mm. To being fully open and honest with someone, and not having to hide a particular part of myself, was just incredible. And uh, big was, ups to that. No, straight up, big ups to that. I love yeah. that feeling. And it was it was a really great experience within those first couple of months to have that with someone, and. Not that I would have felt judged by my family, but being able to have that experience outside of like having to worry about what my family is thinking because it was just, I'm going to hang out with this friend and I could just do what I wanted to do without having to think of how it would impact on other areas of my life, which was nice. <laughs> um, and then we just like spent almost every day together, mm-hmm. just like, keep hanging out. 
and then they started like coming over to the house and <laughs> so then started staying at the house and it was like I never really had to come out like my parents always kind of knew and they definitely knew before I did um, <laughs> <laughs> and then this person was just like staying over quite a bit um and then one morning my mum's like oh can you meet me here in the morning <laughs> we met at the McDonald's she's like is, is um is that your girlfriend I was like yep and that was it but that was the whole thing and then after that like we were together for another little while how old were you then I was 18 mm-hmm. so that was your first like pre coming out party or yeah mm. and then I McDonald's eh <laughs> I was like, why did you have to pick this place? It was like 8 o'clock in the morning or 7.30 in the morning before class one day. Mm. Or like before I went into study. And I was like, yeah, they are. And she was like, okay. And that was it. Done. <laughs> and that was it. And it was done. Um, And I was just, it was just me and mum at home at that point. My sister was living in Australia. And my brother was had his own house with his wife. And my dad was living in Hamilton as well at that stage. Um, and so like the next time I saw my dad, I was just like, oh yeah, like me and this person are, are together. We've been together for like a year. And he's like, okay. And it was it. Like, it was so nice to not have to, but I was nervous. I was like, but what if it's because I'm their child that they won't? Because they were open for everyone else, but I was still had that little fear in the back of my mind being like, oh, but it's within the family. Oh, but it's their child. Maybe that won't be okay. But it was fine. And that was kind of it. Like, that was my coming out. And then I told my sister, I, like, video called her. I was like, oh, yeah, they're moving in. She's like, I know. <laughs> and I told my brother. He's like, okay, whatever. Like, no one cared. <laughs> I cared. And I was just concerned that it would have been because I was their child or I was their sibling then it would have been a problem, even though I knew my family wouldn't care at all and didn't care at all because we had friends of the family that were part of the community and then, like, when they'd be out, like, they wouldn't say anything or they wouldn't, like, make any small remarks if they saw a same-sex couple walking down the street. So I think it was just that fear that a lot of people have in their head of, oh, but what if it's... What if? What if? What if? But it was fine. Um, Yeah, and then I went... Me and that person were together for like my whole tertiary career. And then, yeah, it was great. We had a lot of first experiences together. <laughs> not like that. <laughs> well, obviously like that, but we're not getting into that. Um, yeah, it was great. It was a really great first relationship. We grew a lot together. Um, and honestly, probably stayed together longer than we should have, but we're both fine with it now we're still friends which is really great so we've been separated for almost four years now and we're still pretty good friends which is nice Mm. um it's something that I really wanted I didn't want to have this really intense strong relationship with my person and then just like cut them off completely because it was such a fundamental relationship for me not only within my identity but like within my life mm. as a whole. Um, and they supported me through some other things that were going on outside of my relationship as well, which was really great. Um, and yeah, it was it was really, I really, really, I can't find the word for it. Like 
I really valued that relationship, and I still do. Mm. Um, but yeah, definitely a first relationship, not someone that I want to spend my life with. Um, obviously. Damn, you really just had to say that. Like, it goes without saying you're not together. You don't have to say it out loud. God. I already know. <laughs> um, still friends. <laughs> yeah, still friends. I can say it. Thank mm. you. Um, but yeah, I'm really glad that we're still friends. And then now, like, small group of friends that there was four of us when we were all studying together that we all used to hang out and we still all hang out together, even though um, me and this person are not together. And so it's really cool to have that group of friends still that we can reminisce about what it was like when we were young and studying. Oh, <laughs> Get some better friends, not just. Oh, yeah, well. Oh, grrr. Those better ones aren't really better. <laughs> Nothing feels better than this. Yeah. Nothing feels now better. Now I have to settle for you. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're and listening God. and you've got deep heat, please sponsor me. Because <laughs> <laughs> that burn was sore. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of like. That was my coming out. There wasn't really much more to it. And then I was kind of fortunate that I just, like, let it go through the family. Like, they just told each other and I didn't really ever have to do anything. And then, like, Christmases and stuff, this person just came with me and it was it. There was nothing really more to it than that. Mm. Which I'm well, I think, grateful for. I think you're, you're putting some simplicities into it. and um, But... At the same time, it, it really speaks about the support that's around you and the fact oh, that sure. those minds are way past discriminatory, like, mm. amateurness. Yeah. And it's like, to me, it's so beautiful to hear that there's, there's actually, like, coming out stories that I beautifully, like, supportive mm. and beautifully, like, because I think we're just so used to the narrative that coming out stories are negative mm-hmm. to a point where it's like, yeah. Expected. Mm. Yeah, and but, I think that played into that fear that I had. Mm, I feel like we we definitely need to dive into coming out um, stories because I feel like that's mm. such a it's such a power move for me in in terms of your your self acceptance and mm. self determination. But at the same time, it's a vulnerable space because it's like oh, yeah. to pick one is also to not pick another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and it's like some days that's so great, and other days you don't understand the consequences. Mm-hmm. But yes. Great yeah. stories, man. Great, great, great reflections, actually. Yeah. And when I, in, in that space, those identities or those labels of um, gay or lesbian or whatever, for me, I associated with gay because lesbian was implied feminine, which even at that time, I was like, nah, not really. <laughs> I just didn't like the word. And I wasn't really sure why, other than it was just so femme. Um, but I Hater. really <laughs> no. I like feminine people. Just like it implied that I was also feminine, but I really identified with the word gay between like eighteen and however long. Whereas because it, like like you searching for your your acceptance within the community, mm. my affiliation with that word meant that I was also affiliated with this whole other community of people. Mm-hmm. Which at that time when I was coming out and figuring out who I was, I really needed that. Whereas now, seven, almost eight years on, I don't need that so much because I'm confident in myself and I'm confident in how I operate within the world, not how I fit because I don't often feel like I do. Um, that I don't need those words anymore. Mm. If someone wants to label me as lesbian because I present or people perceive me to be a woman, 
and then I also date other people that they perceive to be women, then that's on them. Like, that actually has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Their perception of me and what words they want to use to describe me says everything about them. And that was one of the focados that you actually ta- taught me, actually, from the beginning. Mm. Um, and it, was, it, it wasn't it was so much that it was a new revolutionary idea. I think mm. it was just um, almost concreting a value for me because yeah. it was validating to hear another person in the queer community who thought like me but also actioned it as well because, mm. like, I always had the thinking, like, your 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 thoughts of me is yours, but then yeah. the way that you articulate, like I I don't care what you like, you push it even further and action the fact that it doesn't matter what they call me mm. because it's not like that doesn't matter. It's like who I identify is what matters, yeah. and that was that was that was a cool like lesson that I learned from you actually, and that mm. was like like right from the beginning. I think even yeah. before we did, um, we went to those um, queer classes, <laughs> guys. We went to queer classes <laughs> on how to be that. gay. <laughs> really no but to really like yes we need to get into that <laughs> that was actually a shape that's that's the that solidified our friendship i think yeah for sure because other than, other than your ass on the toilet i mean that was like the entree yeah for sure <laughs> right so okay so wait so tell how did you get us into that space because you brought up was that you that brought us no to? okay so there's a debate here okay go let's so go there. let's my, go my story is that Joe was like, oh, there's this, this thing going on. It's called the Big Q. I want to go, but I don't want to go alone. Can you come with me? Because at this stage, I believe we'd done maybe two or three photo shoots. And we we're kind of friends, but like not really just yet. Nah. Just like almost. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'll go with you. And it was this group that met once a week that it was about queer issues and how to be part of the queer community kind of mm. but it was focused around the the evolution of the group came from um and i only found this out from conversations with the people that started the group after the fact it was about domestic violence and how to communicate within a relationship particularly within queer community queer relationships mm. so there was a lot of activities around are you comfortable with this Yes, no, okay, how do you have that conversation with your partner? Mm. Particularly in queer relationships. Obviously these conversations are the, are the same or similar within straight relationships or heterosexual relationships. Um, but this one was specifically for queer people. And it just happened to be people who maybe weren't out yet or people who were fresh in their journey. Mm. But my understanding of the story is that you wanted to go and you didn't want to go alone. So I went with you. Yeah, that might might have been it. I think for me, it genuinely was like, <laughs> I was like, I did want to go. But at the same time, I was like, I guess you're right in a way. Because I was like, in my head, I'm like, I definitely have never stepped into, because I, I usually do step into um, to, to queer spaces feeling like I'm accepted. Mm. But there's a lot of queer spaces where I've, like, kind of, like, what we were talking about before about being Pacifica and, and jumping into, like, spaces that are non-Pacifica. Mm. Like, I'm getting this triangular, like, thought pattern that I have to come out as a as a gay person. I have mm. to come out as a Pacifica. I have to come out as, like... And I'm not trying to name all of my, like, oppressions. It's almost like <laughs> I'm trying to figure out the fact that there's a correlation between 
that and me feeling awkward in spaces mm. and places because I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, snap, I can't actually be myself here. I have to actually mm. say that I'm gay so that apparently people can feel comfortable or I have to say that I'm Pacifica. And I'm like, why should it matter? Do you yeah. know what I mean? But like, as as a naive person going into those spaces, I really wanted your support because one, my partner wasn't gonna go, yeah. and the whole thought process around that. Actually, yes, actually, yes, you're right. Yes, I do thank remember you. That. Actually, you're right because this has I been couldn't... a debate for like the last couple of years <laughs> of who initiated who to go to that thing. Honestly, guys, thank you. Can you just say that again? That I was right. Um. Uh, the second host and co-founder <laughs> of the FQ, the FQ, was correct today and only today at this specific date and this specific time. Mm. <laughs> Whatever you hear it, that's the date and that's the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I think it was like that 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 group really blew my mind mm. because it really opened me up to communities. I think that group mm. specifically op- opened me up to communities. Yeah. Mm intersectionality all that crap mm. well it's not crap but you know the but, intersection between being Pacifica and being within the queer community and being a man and being a gay man and all this kind of stuff and how they relate with each other or don't or conflict or whatever intersectionality anyway, that's another that's another episode yes <laughs> um, so what about after tertiary like how, how are you feeling now as a queer man or just as a human? As a human. Because how long, how long ago did you finish your program? Um, in the academy. Mm. Um, 2013 was mm. my last year and I graduated yeah. in 2014. Yeah. So, so that's a couple of years ago already. Huh. What have you been doing since? Um, so I've been working and so that's when I met you is when I was working mm. in that space mm-hmm. um, but then apart from that I actually switched into to teaching and facilitating I don't mm. like to call myself a teacher mm. but at the same time I can't acknowledge that I'm a student without saying yeah. that I'm a teacher Yeah. because I guess to rely on um, Maya Angelou's um, sayings um, which really stuck and it always um, sticks is um, when you learn teach because, like, to me, it's almost like knowledge should not be at a cost, but I guess we, we put it at a cost because there's value in time and all of these other complexities and conditionings. But to me, genuine knowledge is, like, mm-hmm. I come from a place where knowledge, everybody's a walking library of their genealogies of how to survive in, in the wilderness. So to me, <laughs> I don't understand why we have a cost to, to sharing knowledge. Mm, huge and, this, and this society anyways. Um, but... Yeah, I jumped into um into um the facilitating space. Been doing that for for probably two years now, mm-hmm. but I'm also I'm in I'm doing my masters. Jump, loving that journey. It's been, I guess, to me, everything's kind of been building me up into this um journey. And I don't know if the world of academia and scholarship is where I want to go into, mm. but it's almost as though like I don't hear voices or thought leaders that are expressing the views that I have. So mm. that's already, you know, identifying the gap. Yeah, for sure. Especially with the topic around my island and my motu. So, mm-hmm. or our island and our, our, our motu because it's not just mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do, I feel like the one thing that I always, uh, and, and ret- like in my language, we call it to sup. Like the, the thing that we hold on to the most is that 
we're protectors, we're guardians, we're stewards, um, we're what is that word? Custodians mm. of um, of of our natural landscapes. Yeah, and even like to say natural is like knowledge, Still natural. Mm. But yeah, what have you been up to since uh, <laughs> we you you? Because I feel like we always get stuck in the academy, but like right after the academy, what's I happening? I did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I started working within the academy as well. Mm. Uh, we both did. Yeah, we actually worked together for, what, a year and a half, two years? I, f- I would like to say it, it felt like more, though. Yeah. But that's because we just enjoyed it so much. Yeah, it was actually, yeah, it's a bit different now that you're not there. Um, Enough said. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I started Wait, working with talk him. to them, talk to them. How was how was working with me? Beautiful. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> she a liar. I, I bullied her every day. No, I didn't bully. Um, it was actually really great to be able to spend a lot of quality time together and part of our role was travelling together as well mm. and staying away. So um, <laughs> there are many uh, adventures there <laughs> that we're not going to go into. No, um, you're right. But it meant that we got to travel throughout the North Island together, which was quite... I really valued those trips that I got to spend with you. Um, But, yeah, I started working within the academy within a role that um, has conversations with young people about what they want to do after school Mm. and supporting them through that transition from high school into this particular tertiary provider. Mm. Um, I'm still currently doing that job um, and have had different, um, been working in that space in different capacities over the last couple of years. Um, and now I'm back in the academy. <laughs> so, the, I, don't, I mean, I say that like it's a bad thing, but it's not. I'm it actually ain't. really it enjoying ain't. it. So I'm doing a graduate program um, in gender and sexuality studies at the local university and doing two papers this semester, I'm really, really enjoying it because it's a subject that I am interested in, 100. genuinely interested in. Um, and I want to put my facilitation skills into practice and eventually, in one way or another, use my facilitation skills and the knowledge that I'm gaining from this program into some kind of development opportunity mm. for people that work with our young people particularly around that 18 19 year old space space yeah. because that's when they're leaving school when they're trying to figure out who they are within the context of the real world well i guess in a way i describe that as coming out to society mm. and like who because it's like in high school there's it's high school's not even a competition like high school it's literally ecosystem. yeah and then when you come out of high school you realize you're competing with the rest of the world mm. on a bigger scale yeah. and no one gives a damn which pond you're in yeah or like no one really cares what marks you got at school whereas when you're in high school that's it's all, all everyone cares yeah. about go hard and i'm like oh it actually doesn't matter but if you're in school like do well um, 100 oh 100 um schools are, just, uh, as a smaller society just let, like let you know yeah. it, like detention is prisons yeah and <laughs> no like for real i thought yeah. about this like i've dived deep into this i'm like yeah. um when you pass yeah you're in the elite teams okay mm. and guess what the people that pass don't actually look back which yeah. means that what happens to the people who are poor in knowledge mm-hmm. left behind mm-hmm. for sure hashtag overthinking 
One on one. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I wanna I wanna be able to support people who are either going through that themselves or are working with people who are going through that. So maybe mm. our like our tertiary educators who are working with young people who are in their first year out of high school or with some community centres who are supporting these young people through that transition. Um, but also within like a corporate sense, wanting to give those people the knowledge and understanding of our community. And so I'm trying to, at the moment, when I'm working through this programme and I want to package it up into something that I can then take out into the community and use to educate others. Because it's not my knowledge to hold to myself. It's 100. for me to... Pass it on. To share and like I feel like I have not a responsibility to my community but I have the skills and the ability to educate others and so I want to do that because I don't know what kind of ripple effect that that might have for Mm. other people. And there's also a, a state of urgency and agency for that to happen within within our current city that we, mm-hmm. we're working in. And it's not to, to piss or shit on anyone else's work. It's just that, you know, they've done the best they could and maybe it's it's time for a new wave of, yeah. um, a new tidal wave of new mm-hmm. innovative ways of approaching things to come through. Yeah. And that's nothing to do with the current things that's happening. It's like, okay, these things are just not catering to the masses. Yeah, and there is like a local service, mm. but the focus is on youth, and they are under resourced and they are overworked. One hundred percent. Thank and you for bringing that to the, to, yeah, to the table. Yeah, for sure. And like underfunded, immensely underfunded, and the focus it is a youth service, so there is only so much that they can do. One hundred percent. Their focus is on the youth, which is great. I'm so glad that that's an opportunity and a force that's there for our young people to engage with. Mm. There is also other opportunity within the region where I can maybe step into that space. Yeah. And I want to do that, and I think it'll be cool. And then I get to, like, work for myself and not be on somebody else's schedule, which is, like, the goal for my life. And then I can do my creative work on the side to supplement it. feel like if you worked with... Mm. They would actually give you funding. Yeah. I am conscious, though, in those spaces to bring someone through to support that conversation because it's not my lived experience as a Māori person or as a Pacifica person Mm. or as an Indigenous person of whatever. That's not my lived experience. I can't speak on that. But I can facilitate somebody else to have that conversation. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, but, like, I I think... The only reason I say um, to, to jump through the, the Māori space is not to say that we should go and use and exploit their funding options, but I think that they have a different funding pool that actually oh, yeah, for could, sure. could be a source of income. Mm-hmm. And I am conscious within my program, within the academy at the moment, it is very Western and American-based, as much as they do. And not even in like Indigenous American, it's like no, American. White West, <laughs> yeah. white. Just white everything. And um, see, this so makes this actively... sound so racist, but it's like, it's not. <laughs> like, no, it it's that... just truth. Mm. I'm actively searching for information outside of the academy that is from a different perspective than the white man. <laughs> mm. You're yeah. literally talking about all, like, everything else. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So my goal for the next year, I guess, is complete the program and package it up into something that I can take out into the community and share. That sounds exciting. Like, I'm 
Not even kidding you. That sounds amazingly exciting. Mm. What's your goal for the next year? I guess to me, to land on a master's topic, because I still don't mm. have one, but I'm glad I'm saying it out there so that at least that way, you know, I can... I know. The universe can bring it to me in some way, shape, or form. But I've got, I've obviously going to do it on on, on, on my island, but I just mm. don't know which angle to jump in because, mm-hmm. like, I guess if you don't know, um, the, 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 there's a lot of thoughts that you need to consider being an Indigenous academic, like, academic. Mm-hmm. So being an, an Indigenous academic, it's like, how far are you going to? talk about your motu without revealing our vulnerabilities for exploitation yeah you know yeah. so it's like mm-hmm. the more that they like the more that we push out there about who we are and self-determining who we are from a strength-based perspective can also be our highlighting yeah. us highlighting our weaknesses and our mm-hmm. vulnerabilities sure. so so that's why for me i think yeah again i'm i'm not phased by it but i'm just waiting i'm like okay come on you can do this and i feel like i can push out hopefully my master's within the next year or so. Yeah. So Definitely by the end of next year, for sure. Mm. Do you have any personal goals for the next year or so? Just take better um, care of my health. I've been gymming mm. um, t- twice a week consistently. I just thought I'd say that on the mic. Um, <laughs> Be held accountable. Yeah. And then at the same time, um, it's going to be really interesting because I think I already know that there's a lot of... Um, shifts within our academic um life mm-hmm. um work wise hopefully you know we don't know what that future looks like mm-hmm. and there's, there's there's not a lot of these these complexities happening on the work front so do i still stay in my job do i still mm-hmm. you know hang on yeah. or do i go and move on and do something you know that that that's befitting of me and i feel like that's why i love that you're already drawing your own future and your own plan mm-hmm. whereas for me i'm like okay there's a lot of knowledge that I that that's here, but I think maybe I just need to process that and let time heal and reveal itself. Because mm-hmm. that's the part where I'm like, okay, I need to zoom out of my own brain for a while. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So, um, what do you reckon belongs in the fuck you? Everything. <laughs> uh, I don't know. There's. Well, thinking of today's conversations anyways, what do you think it belongs in the fuck you? In this context in my life, in this day, labels. Because mm. they can be so divisive. Within, and are you talking from a, like, from, from, from a queer um, space? Yeah. Even though, like, I often use the term queer to identify myself because it doesn't, um, it doesn't specify my gender and also it doesn't specify how within that space that I operate. But I have also noticed over the last couple of years that our queer community, even though we look for it for acceptance, is also often the community that targets itself. 100%. And I like find it so challenging to be in a space where like, oh, the gays over there, the lesbians over there, everyone else can just go hang out over there. It's supposed to be a community. Do you know that that's the complexities that Pacific Island communities face mm. with religion? But like yeah. it's almost like you know we'll, we'll like and that's where the intersectionalities are mm. is that like within a within a Pacific like we'll just pick whatever one or Pacific culture it is or nationality it is 
within that specific culture, there's all of these complexities within it, and it's like that internal built mm-hmm. oppressions or yeah. ra- racism or any of those things. But for me, I see that being reflected as like in the in the queer space. Mm-hmm. That's literally it. Like we're just being, and it's all because everyone's got their own perceived truths. Yeah, and 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 perceived norms and social norms, and I'm like. That's what well, I guess we're going back to last week's um, conversation, but uh, talking about access, like, I mean, like, mm-hmm. feminism and white mm-hmm. feminism access compared to indigenous feminism, mm-hmm. completely different story. Yeah, for sure. But at the same time, there's a level of, I think, the queer space don't know how to deal with um, people of colour that are queer. That's quite a generalisation. I think there's some people within the community that identify with the white LGBTQIA plus mm. structure of the community and being that it's you're either L or you're B or you're G or you're T. You can't have more than one identity within that space. You gotta pick your one and you gotta stay there. Hell that does not work. <laughs> oh, wait. Identities are fluid. Oh my gosh. Who would have known that? Wow. Okay. There's a whole nother conversation there yeah. around spectrums. Um for sure. And binary. Which is not a conversation for today because we do not have time for that. For real. <laughs> um, I yeah. hope that you'll be leading that conversation because I'm like, oh, maybe. <laughs> we can get somebody. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you think is in the FAQ this week? I think the FAQ deserves better. Because, mm. in a way, there's. Yeah, I think. We need to throw our perceived truths in the fuck you, actually. Our perceived mm. truths uh, and not acknowledging that they're perceived truths is probably they, that, that that thought process needs to go into the fuck you. Because mm. I think even for me, like, and that's who that I can only speak from, there's a lot of concrete um, perceived truths where I'm not going to allow any anything in, and mm-hmm. that's my prerogative. But somehow, like, you know, I don't understand that it's rooted in something, you know, like your mm-hmm. thoughts are rooted yeah, 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 yeah. In, in something. So, yeah. I'm challenging myself as well as challenging everyone else. Perceived truths belongs on the fuck you. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to um, subscribe to the fuck you podcast on Facebook and Instagram. We only have an Instagram. Yeah, don't go to Facebook. We're not there. Yeah. <laughs> Facebook is not our demographic. <laughs> what? Although everybody's our demographic. Um, sorry if you... <laughs> all I the disclaimers. Facebook. All yeah. the disclaimers. Soros. Sorry. Sorry. Not sores. I ain't 12. All right. Um, so thank you for listening. Yeah. Are we closing off our segments? I guess in the next episode, like this is the last one, that will just be me <gasps> and Joseph. Ooh. Next episodes um, for this season. Season, because hopefully there's more than one. Seasons. Season. Um, we will be bringing people through to have conversations with us. I'm so excited. And I'm so keen on that. Mm. I cannot wait. Um, but yeah, I guess that's us. Fuck you, Jenna. Fuck you, Jenna. Why are you saying my name? (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) That's it, that's it.